We're in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. We're in verses 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15 tonight. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15. We're in a series right now called Bodybuilders. And the entire series and the concept of the series has been hinging and built around the concept, the idea, and the intentional purpose of building the body of Christ so the body of Christ can do what it has been called to do in the city in which it has been placed. That's a, that's a mouthful for saying you have a purpose. You have a role, you have a significant part to play in this church, in this body, in the larger body, the big C, the big church. You have a role to play in the church and you have to fulfill your role in the church in order for the body to function properly to do what it has been called to do in the city in which it has been placed. Do you know why God puts churches in cities? Because cities need Jesus. That's why he puts a church in a city. There's a reason that we're in Woodland. It's because Limitless Church, Pastor Pastor Keenan and Pastor Sonia have been called to fulfill a purpose within this city. Do you know why you're in this place tonight? Because God brought you here because you have something in you that he put in you from the day you were born. And before that, he knit you together specifically in your mother's womb with a gift and a talent and an ability that nobody else has but you in a way that you can fulfill it, in the way you can walk in it, in a way you can do it, and only you can do it. And so he brought you to this body because we need your peace. We need your part. We need your function. I love the way my body works. I got two arms, two legs, ten toes, ten fingers, a nose that's a little larger than most. I got two ears and they're big too. It doesn't matter. I love the way my body functions, but can you imagine if one of my my parts of my body decided it just didn't want to function one day? Can you imagine what happened if I woke up and rolled out of, my, out of bed and my right leg said, I don't want to be with you today. I'm not going to do my part. Good luck. That'd be a bad day in my life. Yet for some reason in the church, we think that it's okay that we show up and go, you know what? I just don't want to do it today. I'm just tired. I need a little me time. I need a little right leg time because left leg has been a little extra. I need a little right leg time. I need a little bit of time away from the left hand. It's been bugging me. The ears have been just doing a little bit too much. The mouth won't shut up. I just need to get away from the whole body, and so I'm going to take a break. You know, I don't have, Pastor Pastor Keenan said this, so I'm going to give you credit, brother, because this is good. I'm going to quote you on it right now. You don't have to go to church to have a relationship with Jesus. I hear that all the time. I don't got to go to church to have a relationship with Jesus. And you're right, you don't. But you don't have to go home to have a marriage. But mine's a whole lot better when I do. My pastor said that. I'm just ripping it. You don't have to go to church to have a relationship with Jesus. You are exactly right, and there are people all over the world who do that. But I have a marriage, and if I don't go home, my marriage isn't good. It's a whole lot better when I show up at night, and I wake up there in the morning, and I come home later that day. It's a whole lot better when I have conversation with her, and when I tell her how much I love her. And I provide, and I do the things I'm supposed to do, and I fulfill my function in my household. It runs better. Let's get into the word. I'm not even start preaching yet. Don't worry. If you got some notes, tonight's a good night to try it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 15. It was he who gave some to be apostles, 
some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be uh, uh, teachers. To prepare God's people for the works of service. That's what we're doing tonight, just so you know. Tonight, the purpose of tonight, the purpose of the table on Thursday at 6 o'clock at the new building, which you're going to be there because you haven't signed up yet, but you're still going to come. The purpose for those things is to build up the body of Christ. It says it right here. To prepare God's people for the work of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach what? Until we all reach what? You know, in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they were all together in one place, in one accord. They were in unity. You know why the Spirit of God poured out in Acts chapter 2? It wasn't just because Jesus said it was going to happen. It was because they were all together in unity. They were in unity. There was a a prayer service that broke out in the upper room, and the Spirit of God poured out because they were in unity. They were unified in what they were praying for. They were unified in their vision. They were unified in their purpose. They were unified in their call. So the Spirit of God poured out. All together in unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, instead, Instead of being blown back and forth by every word you hear and, and this sermon and that sermon and this preacher and this preacher and that pastor, and this, instead of that, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. You know why he says here, I'm going to get to this later in my sermon, so I'm going to say this now, I'm going to say it again. You know why he says speaking the truth in love? You know why Paul says to speak the truth in love and not tolerance? Can I tell you something about tolerance? I'm getting sick and tired of hearing the church needs to be tolerant. I'm getting tired of hearing the church needs to be, the church doesn't need to be tolerant. The church needs to be full of love. You know why? Because love is patient. Tolerance isn't patient. Love is patient. Love is, you know why it says to speak the truth in love and not tolerance? Because tolerance is, tolerance isn't love. Tolerance is tolerance. Tolerance says I'm okay with the mess you're in and I'm just going to tolerate it long enough and hopefully you get it figured out. Love says I'm patient, I'm kind, I don't envy, I don't boast, I'm not proud, I'm not self-seeking, I keep no record of wrongs. I love you and I love you enough to not let you stay where you're at. Speaking the truth in love. Tolerance doesn't make people grow. Tolerance allows apathy to grow. You want to find somebody in your life that's tolerant, you're going to find somebody who allows you to be apathetic. Love doesn't keep you where you're at. Love calls you to be better. Tolerance says, it's okay, be who you are. Love says, no, no, be who God says you are. There's a difference between love and tolerance. Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. You are never going to help somebody grow into who God has called them to be if you are tolerant of their sin. I love you, so I'm going to talk to you. Or I tolerate you, which means you're an inconvenience. If I tolerate something about you, that means I don't like it, but I don't love you enough to deal with it either. I'm just going to tolerate it long enough so that it's back over here and you're behind me. You know what? It's, it's, I'm just going to talk. You know why I don't tolerate bad behavior in my children? Because I love my children. 
You know, I don't tolerate bad language in my house because I love my children. You know, I don't tolerate certain things because I love the things in my life. I'm not going to tolerate those things. I'm going to call them to be greater. I'm not going to let them settle for where they're comfortable. I'm going to I'm going to love them to a place where they're better instead of, to all right, I'm going to get on. I'm going to get on. I'm going to get on. We're in a series called Bodybuilders. Each part and person has to function in their role in order for us to do the damage in this city as a body of Christ we've been called to do. Now let me say this from the very beginning. Tonight I'm going to talk about your personal growth as a Christian. Your growth as a believer, your responsibility in your life to grow as a believer is your responsibility. Your relationship with God isn't mine. That's why it's called yours. It belongs to you. You have to grow in your relationship with God. But let me just encourage you tonight, right now, you can grow from where you're at. Grow from where you're at. You don't have to grow from where you think you're expected to be. You grow from where you are. That's why it's called growth, not arrival. You have to grow from where you are, and then you will get where God wants you to be. Don't start expecting yourself to be here when you're not there. If my son and I walk into a gym together, you're not going to put him under a bench press with a lot of weight and go move it. He's not there. He hasn't grown there yet. You don't expect him to do things you know he can't do. That's the same thing in our faith. Tonight I'm talking about growth. Now understand, wherever you're at in your relationship with God, we expect you to grow. You have to grow. I'm going to get into that. Growth is vital in life. Growth is imperative to our existence. Growth is exciting and growth is difficult at times. Now, I understand that growth doesn't seem like a very deep, theological, insightful concept, and we're like, Pastor Ryan, this isn't very deep. Can I tell you something? Growth is at the very heart of who Jesus is. Because Luke 2.52 says, Jesus grew, <laughs> Jesus grew, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So why do we grow? Because verse 12 says perfectly, to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. We grow as individuals so we can grow as a collective body of Christ. If you don't grow personally, we as the body cannot function appropriately. If you're taking notes, I got four points. Number one, if you aren't growing, you are dying. If you're not growing, you're dying. If this is the only thing you hear me say all night long, that's totally fine, perfectly fine. Just write this down, put it on your arm, get it tattooed later on. If you aren't growing, you're dying. The moment you cease to be growing spiritually is the moment you begin dying spiritually. Growth is progression and advancement in your faith. No growth is to be stagnant, which is the doorway to spiritual apathy and decline. Growth is an intentional process, not a natural byproduct. Yeah, I'm going to say it again because Brother Johnson says something about it. I, it got me on this one. Growth is a natural, it grow, not a natural byproduct. Growth is an intentional process, not a natural byproduct. Growth doesn't happen by proximity. Growth comes from intentionality and effort and work put in. You grow not just because you get around something. You grow because you put in the effort. Growth doesn't happen by proximity. I can walk in the gym and sit there six hours a day, and nothing on my body is going to grow. 
But if I go in and I put in the work, I'm going to see results. I can walk into an all-you-can-eat sushi bar, and I can sit there and stare at other people eating sushi. I can be around the smell of sushi. I can look at the sashimi, but nothing in me is going to grow. My stomach's not going to grow. My belly's not going to be full. Why? Because proximity means nothing. You have to put in the effort. You have to do your part. You have to work, which means this. Spiritually, what does that mean? I can show up to church. I can be a part of the church. I can go to the table. I can sign up for volunteers. I can be a part of the youth ministry. But if I don't open this up every single day, and if I don't spend time in my word every single day, and if I don't spend time in worship every single day, if I don't put in the work myself, proximity doesn't matter until I put in the work. Your kids don't just grow without you intentionally feeding them. Trust me, I know. Their growth is a byproduct of you intentionally giving them sustenance. The same way in your spiritual life is not naturally going to grow unless you intentionally feed it and build it. Mark chapter 9, we, we get an example of the disciples, and they're praying over a young boy who's been possessed by a demon, and they've been praying over this kid for a while. And Jesus shows up, and the father looks at Jesus and goes, your disciples have been praying for my kid, and the demon hasn't come out of the kid yet. What's wrong with your disciples? And the disciples look at Jesus and go, yeah, what's wrong with us? And Jesus looks at him and goes, this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. You know what prayer and fasting is? Prayer and fasting is an intentional thing that requires growth. You have to pray and fast and you grow. What did Jesus say? He said, you haven't grown to a point where you understand this thing yet. Watch me do my thing. Now you got to turn around and say, now you need to learn how to pray. Now you need to learn how to fast. Verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. That's what we do in this church. Pastor Keenan spoke a bold message last week declaring truth, and our church grew in faith and expectation of God's promise because he spoke the truth in love. The recipe for your growth, speaking the truth in love and we will grow, you know why the truth must be spoken in love for us to grow? It's because love is a fruit of the Spirit. And when we consistently partake of the fruit of the Spirit, we will consistently grow as the body of Christ. Speaking the truth in love fruit of the spirit. Consume the fruit of the spirit and your spirit will grow. It doesn't say speaking the truth in tolerance. I'm just going to let that sit there for a minute because we live in a world today that says you have to be tolerant or you're a bigot. I read a Bible that says something quite different. Jesus loved people. He didn't tolerate their sin. Nowhere in scripture are you ever going to find God tolerating somebody's sin. What you're going to find is a God who loves people enough to call them out for their sin, give them an opportunity and a choice to turn from their sin, and then deal with it appropriately based on what they choose. Number two, not all change brings growth, but all growth requires change. Not all change brings growth, but all growth requires change. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Not all change brings growth, but all growth requires change. You and I know this to be true. I can change everything about myself. I can change my hairstyle, I can change my clothes, my car, my address, I can change my social status, my friend group, my job, my wife, my family. I can change just about anything I want about me, but none of it brings growth in my spiritual life. 
Because change doesn't produce growth, but growth requires that you change. Which is why some of you have decided you just don't want to grow, so you refuse to change. When we grow, it requires things take place such as change. So your growth is not stunted by the things of your past. When you grow, change is inevitable. Come here, Judah. We're going to show him. We're going to show him exactly what I'm talking about. Come here, boy. Stand right here. Right there. Judah, hold that. Just like that. Yep. Aw. Look at how cute that is. I'm going to give you guys a, a, a physical, visible illustration for you to understand what I'm talking about. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to love this. I'm going to step on everybody's toes right now. Now, when my son was six months old, he fit in this onesie. Six months old, he fit right here in this little piece of clothing. Now, at six months old, I could have put him in this T-shirt and these pants and those shoes and the socks he's got on, and nothing about my six-year-old son would have changed. He still would have been six months old. He wouldn't have fit in the clothes. He wouldn't have fit in the pants. He wouldn't have fit in the shoes. Even though I put him in those things, it wouldn't have made him big enough, strong enough, or old enough to fit those things. But now that he's nine going on ten, he doesn't fit this anymore. Yet for some reason, some of us who have been following Jesus for two, three, seven, nine, ten, fifteen years have decided that we can be big but still try to fit in our baby Christian clothing. You cannot fit in your baby Christian clothing anymore. You have to grow. You have to change. Things about you have to change. Understand, when you grow, things change, which means your prayer life has to change. You can't talk to God the way you used to talk to God. You can't pray the way you used to. Some of y'all need to learn how to pray out loud. Some of y'all been praying like this. Amen. Some of y'all been praying like that. You have to worship different. Some of you guys still worship like this. Oh. Yeah, that's a good voice. Mm, they hit that one. Can I tell you something about worship? My Jesus worshiped like this. And if Jesus worshiped like this, I'm not going to worship like this. If God put his hands out and took nails in them for me, I could put mine up in the air and praise him for it. Can I tell you something? When you worship Jesus, you got to grow. You got to grow in your worship. You got to change. Some of y'all, you haven't grown at all in your giving either. You're still tippers. You're not even givers. You're still tipping God instead of giving to God. You walk by, you go, God, that was a good one. Here's a five. Instead of going, God, here's my 10%, and how much more can I give? What else do we need? How can I grow in my giving? How can I grow in my faith? How can I grow in my generosity? How can I grow in my belief that you are bigger than my problems and my bills and my circumstances, than the fact that I don't have a job right now, but I still believe and have faith? God, I'm going to give and I'm going to believe. Some of us have got to grow from a point that we're not trying to fit into this anymore. Can you imagine if I made my nine-year-old try to squeeze into a onesie, you'd all be like, what are you doing? That doesn't work. Let me turn the mirror around. What are you doing? It doesn't work. You can't walk, talk, act, pray, give, worship, believe, and war like a baby Christian when you've been following the Father long enough to know better than that.
Not all change brings growth. You can change your church. Go for it. You ain't going to grow. You can change the kind of Bible translation. You know the best translation of the Bible you can read? The one you read. You can change the style of worship you have. Elevation, hillside, don't matter. You ain't going to grow until you stop and you get on your knees and you go to war and you worship the Father for yourself. Can I talk to you real quick? Some of us have been following Jesus long enough. We know better, but because we're afraid to grow, we refuse to allow change. Number three. I'm just moving right along, man. We got baptisms. I'm too excited to get to baptisms. We just need to, whew, everyone with me still? Have I, have, am, are we good? We're okay? You know I love you. You know I love you. I love you guys. You're amazing. Number three, growth allows for new. Growth allows for new. Isaiah 43, 19, I've been stuck on this verse in all my sermons lately. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. It springs up now, do you not perceive it? Make a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You guys know why every year when there's back to school shopping, you know why we go back to school shopping? It's not because the, the clothes last year aren't still good. It's because your kids outgrew the clothes. They needed new clothes for back to school because they grew that summer because they sat at home all, all year, all summer long eating Oreos and Cheez-Its, and they grew. And they have to get some new clothes to go back to school. You can't send your kid back to school in high waters. You don't want to do that to them. That's going to ruin their whole childhood. You don't want to mess with their head and jack them all up. You need to take them out school shopping because they grew. So something in their wardrobe had to change. So what do you do with the old clothes? You get rid of them. And what do you do? You put the new ones in. Why? Because when you grow, it allows for new things. Where there is growth, it allows for new in your life. If we never grow, we miss new opportunities. Growth allows for new talents, new gifts, new blessings, new opportunities. Can I say something about opportunities in the Lord in your life? Some of us have been praying for God to give us new opportunities, and God's waiting for you to grow to the point where you can handle the opportunities he's going to send to you. I'm convicted on this in my own life. I've been convicted of this in my own life. I have stood... Son, I sat in a youth pastor school 10 years ago. I was, I was youth pastoring, and I thought I had a hop in, happen in, amazing youth ministry, and down the freeway about two hours was this dude named Jeremy Johnson, and Jeremy Johnson had a youth ministry of like seven, 800 teenagers, and he was killing it. I was rocking like 180, 200 on a good night if I counted everybody twice. Like we were killing it. We were popping and I went to a youth pastor school, and his senior pastor, Glenn Berthold, came in and was teaching leadership. And he said these words, some of you in this room believe that if you had the resources that my staff had, you could do what they do with it. And I'm going, mm, he's exactly right. He's reading my mail. If I had that budget, if I had that room, if I had those lights, if I had that sound system, if I had those toys, I could kill it like he's killing it. And he follows it up with this. No, you couldn't. You know why I know you couldn't? Because if you could, God would have given it to you already. And I sat back and went, wow, that really hurt my feelings. That offended me to my core. 
You saying I'm not quality enough to manage that? Are you trying to say that I can't do that? Are you trying to say I can't preach like him? Are you trying to say that I'm not smart enough to do what he does? Are you calling me out right now from my chair? You want new opportunities. You want bigger opportunities. You want better opportunities. You want better gifts. You want the platform. You want certain things. You want whatever it is you feel like you're owed. And I'm telling you right now, God's going to give it to you the moment you have grown to a place where you are smart enough, wise enough to steward that opportunity. Then God will give it to you. The reason he has not given you that opportunity is because you haven't grown to a place where you even know how to handle it yet. God, how do I get that place? God says, grow into it. But God, give it to me now. Can I tell you, if God gave it to you now, you would crumble under the weight of the responsibility. You've heard the phrase, don't let your talent take you where your character can't sustain you. That's truth. Some of us want more than we're able to handle, and God knows it, and he's not giving it to you because he loves you. He's not giving it to you because you're not ready for it yet. And the moment you grow into that place, the moment you're a good steward of what you've already been given, the moment, the moment you've handled all the opportunities he's given you well, he's going to give you that next one. But you have to grow to that place. New requires, or new brings, growth brings new opportunities, new anointing, new favor, new adventures, and new passions. Where there's no growth, your passion turns to apathy. Why? Because where there is nothing new, we become bored, stale, and lazy. Apathetic Christians have the perspective that everything else around them is boring, wrong, or unspiritual when the problem is they refuse to grow so they miss out on all the new that God is trying to do. You know there's no boring things? There's only boring people. If you're bored, it's because you're a boring person. I'm never bored. I'm the most exciting person in the world. I am never bored. There's never been a day in the last 15 years of my life I've been bored. You can talk to my wife. There's never been a day of, her, of our marriage that we've been bored. There's no boring things. There's only boring people. So if you look at church and you go, this is boring, I got news for you. It ain't the church. If you look at your walk with the Lord and go, man, my walk with Jesus is boring, I got news for you. You're not following my Jesus. You go ahead and read a few things in Scripture about Jesus. He'll put you in some situations that will make you scared. You ain't going to be bored real fast. But where there is growth in your life, there's a steady flow of fresh, new, life-bringing elements. And my last point is this. I'm going to call up the guitar. Where's my guitar? Come make me sound good, bro. Number four. Last point. Where, appreciate you, Josso. Where you spend your time where you spend your time, I know you're writing this down, so I'm just going to give you time to write that down. Where you spend your time is where you will grow. And in parentheses next to one of my notes, I put atmosphere matters. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The first thing God ever created was an atmosphere. And see, as you read the account of creation, you read that God created the atmospheres for creation before he put creation in its atmosphere. He created the ocean, and then he put the fish in it. He created the land, and then trees came from it. He created the air, and then he put the birds in it. He created outer space, and he put the stars in it. And then he created the garden. And he put man in it. You know why he created the garden? Because that's where his presence was going to be. 
You know why he put man in the garden? Because God built us, designed us to be in his presence. Atmosphere matters. The moment that you and I step outside of the atmosphere that we were designed to be in is the moment we begin to die. I thought about doing this illustration with a goldfish, but I'm just going to explain it to you instead of doing the visual. If I had a goldfish up here in a bowl and I took it out of the water and held it in front of you, that goldfish would begin to what? Die. Why? Because goldfish are designed to be in water. And the moment I take the fish out of the atmosphere in which it was designed to be in, it begins to die. And if I leave that fish outside of its atmosphere long enough, that fish will cease to live. And yet some of us think, I can go one day a week in the presence of God and I'm going to be okay. You come to church on Saturday, you get in His presence, you're in the atmosphere, and then Monday through Friday, you don't ever step into the presence again and you wonder why your spirit is starving on Wednesday. You weren't designed to be in His presence one day a week. You've been designed to be in His presence every day. Quit pulling yourself out of the atmosphere in which you were designed to be in. You know how amazing worship is on Saturday nights when we sing in the presence of God falls and people get saved before the word of the sermon has been preached? Can you imagine what would happen if you spent every single day in the presence of God? And then showed up on Saturday. Can you imagine the presence that would be in this place? Because you carry with you the very presence you've been in all week long. Can you imagine if you walked in this place with the presence of God on you? Instead of the presence of some other garbage you've been in all week long. If you walked in here because Friday you had the most amazing time of worship with the Father. You got up an hour early. You said, I'm going to grow today. I'm going to get in the presence of my Father. I'm going to read my word. And then I'm going to worship. I'm going to give him my problems. I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray for my enemy and I'm going to do good to them and I'm going to serve as unto the Lord and I'm going to do everything I've been called to do and then you show up on Saturday and you walk in this place. Oh boy. I can't wait to get to pre-service prayer at 5.30 because we pray every single Saturday at 5.30. I can't wait to get to pre-service prayer at 5.30 and show my church how I've been praying for them. And I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to get in here and I'm going to worship. Can you imagine the presence of God that would fall in this place if this entire body worshipped every day of the week and then came together? You know what we would quit saying? Let's go to church. We'd start saying, let's go to worship. Let's go to the presence you don't go to church. You are the church. You would say, let's go to worship. Let's get together. Let's do, let's do this together. Where you spend your time is where you will grow. Your time is the most valuable thing you have. Psalm 23, 6. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where you spend your time is where you're going to grow, but also where you spend your time is where you see most valuable. Time spent practicing grows your skill. Time spent working grows your bank account. Time spent working out grows your muscle. Time spent eating grows your waistline. See, where you spend your time is where you will see growth in your life. You can't spend all your time at work and expect your family to grow. You can't spend all your time at the gym and expect your marriage to grow. Just like you can't spend all your time on everything else and expect your relationship with Jesus to grow. Spend your time on your marriage, it'll grow. 
Spend time on your family and it will grow. Spend time in your Bible and you will grow. Spend time in prayer and your faith will grow. Spend time in worship and your love for God will grow. Spend time serving people and your love for them will grow. You know, we we pray a lot. And we pray for God to change the situation. And that's a great thing to pray for. God changed my situation. But you know what prayer does? Prayer changes you and then God uses you to change your situation. Church, you have to grow. You have to grow. You can't stay stagnant. You can't be still. You have to grow. And it's not just because we need you to grow. It's because we want you to grow. Pastor Keenan and I, we have the same job, and we love our job. And our job is to build you. Equipping the saints to do the good work of the ministry. Stand with me, church. Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, and that is Christ. I hope that the truth has been spoken in love tonight because I love you. We love you. We're going to get ready to go do baptisms in a minute. And if you're getting ready to be baptized and you're going to be baptized, feel free to head out there and get yourself ready. The rest of you, we're going to take some time right now. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. Our leadership, our board, come on up. And we're just going to spend some time right now. Pray. There's somewhere in your life you need to grow. Let's pray about it. But can I encourage you? Asking God to do it and you doing it, that's what makes the difference. Proximity, you can come up here. That's not going to change it. Until you go home and you start doing it, that's what's going to change it.